0: Hello and welcome to the Manchester Is Red podcast. My name is Stephen Railston. I'm your host for this episode and we're recording on a Monday morning, a beautiful Monday morning in Manchester after Manchester United defeated West Ham 3-0 at Old Trafford on Sunday afternoon. I'm joined by Samuel Lucas, our chief correspondent for
1: today's episode. Samuel, how are you first and foremost? Feeling very well, very fresh. Good start to the week, apart from the defeat in the cricket, unfortunately.
0: Well, you were just telling me you got up at, was it 4am this morning to watch the cricket? Yeah,
1: yeah. That is some
0: dedication. I was catching 50 winks at that point. Preparing yeah. myself for a busy week.
1: Well, it, it's 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 busy, but fortunately where there's no midweek game and, and United have won very well, uh, hopefully it's quite a quiet, sedate week. But we, as we know from covering United, there's always something that, that comes up. So I'm sure there will be something uh, before that Villa game on Sunday. Feels a bit weird as well, because you can probably tell in the tone of my voice, I'm a bit chipper.
0: It's another really positive episode. I love a bit of positivity on a Monday. It was very positive last week, of course. Um, In this episode, we'll look at the game, look at the performance, the good... I sometimes say the good, bad and the ugly, but it was probably... Is it good, good, good? Good, <laughs> well, good, good, almost. all right. because yeah, exactly it's, it's, it's probably the perfect not, not afternoon, except for Martinez's injury. Uh, we'll discuss that as well in the second part. And for the third part, we'll look at some loans at the moment. Uh, Donny van der Beek, Hannibal, and Mason Greenwood, who are, of course, away from the club on temporary deals. Uh, first and foremost, though, Samuel, we'll get into the display. As I said, it probably was the perfect performance, but for Martinez's injury, um, United had a 1-0 lead at half-time. Rasmus Hoyland, a brilliant goal. Ganacho, two goals in the second half. Um, really important three points and it really feels like United are building momentum now.
1: It was certainly one of their most positive days of the season. I think what enhanced the, the performance and the result as well was that West Ham weren't that bad. I thought West Ham were pretty good in the first half. They were unfortunate to be 1-0 down. They had a couple of good opportunities in the second half as well. But United's game management was probably the most, one, certainly one of the most impressive, maybe the most impressive of, of the whole season. They defended really well. That's why it was such a blow for Mar- with Martins going off. He he's come back and he's made such a difference to that back four. There were some very good individual performances again, as there were at Wolves. I thought United were, in terms of their enterprise and play, they were they were better at Wolves. They created more chances. But yesterday you could argue they were more clinical because it didn't feel like they had as many clear-cut chances as they did at Molineux. Okay, with the second goal, it's, it's deflected and there's, there's an element of luck there, particularly after it's, it happened about a minute after Palmieri should have done a hell of a lot better up the other end and, and could have equalized for West Ham. But you look at the way things progress now and Ten Hag touched upon the, this team possibly showing the potential that he was talking about earlier in the season and, for him, it's, it's been a week of vindication because he's, he has been able to pick his strongest team uh, in both of those games. There was just the one change, and as we've discussed before, Rafael Varane clearly can't start two games in a week, so that's why he came out and Harry Maguire started. And in those games, they've scored seven goals. I think in their, before that, they didn't even, I think they'd scored six goals in their previous six league games, so that just goes to show. So this is the first time
0: they've beat an opponent by more than one goal in the
1: league, isn't it, this season as well? Uh, at so Old Trafford, it would have so been, Old but Trafford, of course yeah. uh, they won three 0 at Goodison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but the, yes, Trafford. yesterday's performance was was better than the one at Goodison. I mean, in the first half, at Everton, United were somehow one nil up without creating a chance. Yesterday, it, it just—I suppose—that youth and experience was encapsulated by the first goal, and that you've got Casemiro pushing up the pitch with his pressing. That he wins the ball, gets to Hoyland, and he's like, he scored some brilliant goals already but i thought that was his his best one just to deceive the defenders by going on to his weaker foot and then hitting it as if as if it was on his stronger foot and look he's he's in terrific form at the moment yesterday was obviously his 21st birthday but the real coming of age day for him it feels like was was on boxing day with that winning goal against Aston villa because he scored in every premier league game so far sorry since then and yeah. I know it was a it's an obvious snapshot and it's been on every match piece, it's been on all the back pages and, and newspapers, but of course Garnacho, Mainu and and Hoyland lined up for the for the second goal. That that is United at the moment, they're at the forefront of everything good about them and they are underpinned by some experienced players, as I mentioned, Casemiro. I thought despite a couple of bad lapses, Maguire otherwise was was pretty good yesterday. Luke Shaw, Martinez um, so so it, it felt like it had a really good blend of youth and experience, and they are when you look to that squad yesterday and even the bench, it was it was a much more proven bench. You go back only a few weeks ago to Wigan when they had a lot of players on there, some players who'd never played for the club before. It was a very raw um, Manchester United squad that evening due to uh, due to the in- injury issues at the club, but where where they have eased in recent weeks, Ten Hag has has been able to play very strong size. They've shown what they can do. They've got 11 goals in the last three games. And this is a team that uh, until the winter break, mini winter break, whatever you want to call it, goals have been hard to come by for them this season. Now they are scoring a lot more, a lot more freely. Uh, The goal difference column, it's still in the minus numbers, but looking back on their performances last week, probably should have been in the positives, given the chances they had at Molyneux. So it was, it was a pleasant change actually to go to Old Trafford yesterday. Um, feeling quite, you know, with a bit of a spring in our step and feeling positive about United and it was a it was a difficult game against West Ham and maybe the scoreline was a little bit flattering on United. As I said, I thought West Ham I mean Moyes said afterwards that West Ham played better at Old Trafford than they did against United at the London Stadium and I'd agree with that. But of course they they won that game 2-0. And that's that's what football can be like. But it's it's a it's been it's been a really, really good start to the month to to have won at Wolves who Had a terrific result yesterday and were in really good form going into the United game. And then to have beaten West Ham, who of course were above them in the table before yesterday... You can't ask for much more.
0: was oh, Hoyland's 10th goal in all competitions. I think probably his best, actually, this season. Yeah. And as you said, shifting it onto his weak foot, lashing it home. It was just finish of someone who's really playing with confidence at the moment. We've wondered on this podcast, we've speculated when it was going to click. We could all see the potential, we could all see his quality, but it's now coming into play, isn't it? And he's really starting to bear fruit and actually have some end product in front of goal. Um, would you agree that was his best goal uh, yes. uh, so far?
1: Yeah, I, I, I wrote that in my, my piece yesterday. The... I suppose the Galatasaray goal when he ran from the halfway line and he he, he made it a one on one and that little dinked finish that 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 stands out. Of course, the the volley against Villa was terrific. But what's what's good about him is that he is scoring some brilliant goals, but he's also scoring some really scrappy goals. And I remember Solskjaer when he was United manager, he said that he wanted Marshall to do that more and. <laughs> he scored pretty goals, though, would not he, Marshall? He was. He, he, he was. He was more. He, he was. He was more of a. Pre, 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 yeah, he, was, he certainly scored some some pretty goals. He he didn't really get himself in harm's way very often, um, which which isn't a surprise with him. But those those kind of scrappy goals, like the, I the think goal strikers,
0: was a, a traditional number nine. yes, yeah. kind of just got his body in the way. Strikers
1: it? should save them yeah. as much as the great goals. And I think Hoyland does. Like I was speaking to a fan yesterday, and they said that what they also, especially love about Hoyland is that whenever he does score, he looks absolutely pleased as punch and not every, that's, that's not always the case with with players for, for whatever reason, not just at United, but other clubs. But he's, he's really hit his stride. I thought when when you look to the the, the the team against Wolves last week, Wolves obviously play with a back three, you, you half wonder, is he going to be isolated? He wasn't isolated at all. And uh, Ten Hag said after that game, he had to take him off because he was dead and you get you get a shift from him and that's what's also endeared him so quickly to United Sports in that even though there have been times when he hasn't been scoring, the commitment, you you can't fall. He's, He's a proper personality,
0: isn't he? We were yeah. just talking before we came on air. Yeah. Um, it's the kind of, his interview appearances and the way he talks. He talks brilliantly, yeah. the way he comes across, his passion, the way he plays. He just runs his, runs himself into the ground every game, doesn't he? And that's so endearing as a supporter.
1: Yes. And and look, Ten Hag, I know obviously Hoyland changed agents to... Um, SEG in the summer, who obviously represented Ten Hag as well, but Ten Hag did do his due diligence on him. It wasn't just like, oh, he's he's now repped by Keyes Voss. Now I'll I'll take didn't play for Ajax though. No, no, that, the only Dutch association was was Keys Voss. So uh, it, it, there was a link. There was a link there. Yeah, indeed. It, it, some, somewhere along the line, it, it had to come up. But he was he was convinced by his character. Uh, he told us in in, in San Diego and. He thought he could handle the. He used the word the stresses of of dealing with playing for, for Manchester United, and you have noticed that with Hoyland. there have been games where he's had chances, he's not taken them, and you know, it's not really. There haven't been many occasions where his profligacy has has cost United in the game. And although United haven't been doing well this season, I think a, a, a poor striker they would have fallen to pieces. They wouldn't have been able to recover from that. But he definitely has the right. He has the right mentality. He does keep on going. Uh, he's got the backing of his manager. He knows absolutely that if he's fit, he's starting, which which also helps. Some players could get a bit too comfortable there. But if you're playing for Manchester United, that there are huge demands on you. He's got to be. I know it was Rashford last season, and the expectation was it should be Rashford this season as the most reliable source of goals. But that's now that's now Hoyland's. Um, uh, remit go going on. I think you look at him, he's the number nine, and if you're the focal point, the striker, people are going to look to you to to be bailing United out or boxing off games and 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 being as prolific as possible. And as I said, it, I think it's five in his last six now. And th- that one game that he didn't score in was at Wigan, where he, he did get a bit of stick because could have he was, scored a hat trick. And yeah, yeah. He, he missed some very very easy and, and guilt had chances <clears throat> that evening. But he's, he's got some resilience about him. Like the, the manner of his goal against Tottenham was, was excellent. It was just bang and, and it was past Vicario before he knew it. Uh, he kept on going at Newport where he didn't get a lot of service that day, but he still gets a scruffy goal and you think, good on you. you know, you've kept on going, you're in the right place at the right time and you've, you've killed the game off. So he's, he's made a really good, good, positive start to the year. And also, of course, that one game that he missed recently when he was ill at Forest, they missed him. His, his absence was, was, was crucial to um, to United's performance that night and, ha- and how disappointing they were. Well, they missed him because there's no
0: one else who can play as a the striker. No yeah, you can put Rashford yeah. there, but he sulks and he's just not the same player, is he? I mean, he's not been the
1: same player on the last... And, and and of course it meant Anthony had to start as well which is which is also going to bring the mood down a bit. I think what has helped Hoyland this season massively is scoring those five goals in the
0: Champions League and I know it sounds like a really obvious statement but every time someone would discuss his lack of a goal in the Premier League before he scored against Villa um, he would say, look, I've done it in the Champions League I've done it in European competition it will come, it will come and he comes across really confident in his interviews and strikers have to be, doing that Naturally they have to be confident and what's also helped them is that link now with Garnaccio and Rashford Tenog kind of settled on this attack in front three and we've talked about this team that is starting to settle down now and he talks about the word patterns and rhythm doesn't he uses them quite a bit in press conferences but we're starting to see the connection between those three players and it's really starting to work and help Highland score goals
1: Well I think he happened upon it or not happened upon it this may be unfair but it was boxing day wasn't it when those three started together with Garnaccio on the right and, and Rashford on the left and although they were 2-0 down at half time to Villa they created some really Good chances in that first half, and yes, filler were naive with their high line, and I don't know what they were playing at really. But United probably took them to the cleaners in the second half, and <clears throat> obviously Garnacho got t- two goals. I'd say that was probably his best performance of the season. I would have said that was Rashford's best performance of the season. Then it was the breakthrough with with Hoyland getting the winning goal. So it, it it's so, probably the turning it, point. In it, you, wasn't could, it? you could I was about it to didn't, say it didn't like, feel it
0: at the time because it didn't build
1: on it with Nottingham it, Forest. I that. think I think maybe. Like in, in two or three months' time, if United are in a much better place than they are now, then I think that will be viewed as the turning point, even though four days later they the setback yeah. of, of the Forest game where you had the infamous Manu substitution at half-time and I think a lot of the fans' patience with, with Ten Hag at that point snapped. Uh, maybe they, you know, after their New Year's Eve night out, they probably slept on it and woke up and thought, OK, maybe it was a bit harsh, but that that was a bad error by Ten Hag. But they have recovered from that um, that that two week period of not having any games, I think that has done them the power of good because it has allowed players to come back in. Ten Hag said about the build up being ideal for the resumption of the Premier League campaign, where they had a behind closed doors game, uh, game against Burnley. Then it was an FA Cup game against a non league side, which in the end it turned out to be more competitive than anybody thought it would be. But in hindsight, that was probably a good thing. It was it was beneficial and then they went to wolves and they were they were terrific they played their their best half of the season um, ten hag thought it was probably their best best hour uh, of the season but of course you have to extend it to 90 minutes that's why that that game um, was as drama laden as it was but just just looking at the team at the moment and this is why it's such a shame with with martinez's injury and I, I would expect the club to provide an update on that later on and and hopefully for him it's it's not as bad as it as it could be but They've got the. It feels like there's a promising blend of youth and experience there. I'm not for one minute saying that this should alter the plans for the summer because I've been quite consistent saying they need a right back, they'll need a centre back, they'll need at least one midfielder, they will need at least two forwards. Basically, just went for the whole team, haven't you? That's the thing. It feels like that every summer almost. Hey, look, I've, I've, <laughs> not even, I've not even mentioned a goalkeeper yeah. there. I'm, oh. I'm showing faith in Inanna and, and by India. Uh, but I suppose if Tom Heaton goes, they'll, they'll probably need a, another backup goalkeeper. But. The, I, I go back to it as well when um, they lost 3-0 to City and um, I'll bring up again, I'll dine off it when I told you that Kobe Mainu shouldn't be with the under-21s, he should be playing against Newcastle next night. That was a missed opportunity that game. I thought that was a chance to to turn the page and play Hoyland, play Garnacho, play Mainu because you've got the players there who are aligned with Ten Hag. That, that gives you an identity. He took too long to get to that point but suppose it has been worth the wait. You just ho- hope for United's sake and they'll hope that it hasn't been too that they've not left it too late and that they do kick on now.
0: For our own trumpets, my match report from that night read uh, Manu who's outgrown football like academy football mm. um, and his talent is needed in the first team and we've seen that over the last two months So he's been we fantastic we know we're talking about do Samuel it? <laughs> a little drum bit there um, there's a lovely little segue we'll quickly discuss that celebration photo that you alluded to Manu, Ganacho, Highland sitting there beaming it's like the holy Trinity isn't it all again? I think, <laughs> I think that's going a bit over the top that is a bit over the top um, but Rasmus Highland was 21, is 21 years old. he celebrated his birthday yesterday of course on Sunday Ganacho's 19 Manu's 18 Future's bright, Samuel.
1: Future's very bright. If, if those three keep on the straight and narrow and keep on doing what they're doing, then then it's, it certainly should be for United. And you, you hope it would be. There've been some false storms before with with young players, but they've they've got they've got a good manager, the right manager in terms of bringing young players through. Um, big fan of discipline as well, which will also keep them in check. You would hope. Main has had his breakthrough under Ten Hag. Garnacho pretty much has as well. I know that he made his debut under Rangnick, but he's, I mean, he's Ten Hag's leg- first academy legacy and Hoyland's his signing. So. Isn't it amazing the thing, sorry for interrupting, when you go back to Ten Hag's first pre-season
0: when they went, you went out to Thailand mm-hmm. Australia, Ganacho didn't get a minute. He was the only outfield player who didn't get a
1: single minute. Because he's, um, he, was, he was late. I think he was late, he was late for a well, team It was a little meeting, bit of a so discipline problem. Yeah, there. It, was, it was. The was. last I mean, 18
0: months has been fantastic progress since
1: yeah, I, I remember during training at the Wacker in Perth as well during the um, one of the keep ball sessions, and um, Marshall blocked an attempted um, pass by Garnacho and just stared him out, and then gave him a playful pat on the head as if to say, Look, I'm, "I'm still the main man around here." And the roles reversed quite some time ago with those two. But I remember when Garnacho did come in for his first start was it against FC Sheriff. I think it might have been. Uh, in, in the Europa League group stage last season. It was out of the blue. Nobody really saw it coming at all and it wasn't a case of that it was a dead rubber or anything like that. But he's not looked back since then and he, he scored his first goal against Real Sociedad the following week and he's, he's gained Ten Hag's trust quite quickly I think especially given that transgression on the on the at all started well. 19
0: games in a row now
1: which is amazing is it 18 it, or 19? I, I, I double checked this one yeah. it's 19 Yeah, um, which
0: is it's kind of gone under the radar hasn't it he's become yeah. almost undroppable in this team
1: I know as I've, I've said it before but Ronaldo and Rooney didn't get anywhere near that number of successive starts when they were teenagers at United and that, that shows you one how important Garnacho is to them two there is a lack of seniority players who can ease the burden on on the younger players. Ronaldo had skulls, Giggs, uh, Van Nistelrooy in that squad when he came in. Um, United don't really have that. They've got seniority there, but they've not got professionals who are anywhere near as dependable as the players back in 2003. And in fairness to not he's never looked remotely phased by it. He's always had a sense of belonging at United. I remember when they won the Youth Cup. Uh, and the final was at Old Trafford, and crowd of fifty odd thousand or sixty odd thousand, I think it was. And United fans—that was the night they sang Viva Garnaccio and he—he—he he, he, he knew what they were singing, and he—he he didn't look. It wasn't like oh, God, but that that whole youth cup just, was. Oh, that was that's natural. It was to his me. stage, wasn't it? Yeah, youth cup. yeah. It was, it all, was. He
0: was the talisman. man. It was his. It was performing almost for Old Trafford.
1: And I think they. I think in probably. Four or five of the games they were played at Old Trafford as well. I think they played Leicester, Everton, Wolves in the semi-final, Forest in the final. They were all at uh, all at Old Trafford, so you've got the the perfect stage to show what you can do. And he stood out, and Manu stood out, and look as as I said, it's it that it's a big of all the pros and cons we've discussed about Ten Hag this season. What he is doing with young players is is a real big pro and he did it at Ajax and that was one of the and reasons Ineos why are going to really in. like
0: that as well, I actually did a piece on that. That's going to bode well, yeah. see, at the end of the season if his future is assessed and the state of play. Yeah. He can go on that and the conversations go, look what I've done with and with Garnaccio and that's when you're going to help turn out.
1: Yeah, he, I think he can make a compelling case there in, the, in terms of, look, just digressing slightly, but... Uh, in terms of his recruitment, yeah, it's patchy, to, say, to put it politely. But he can also say, well, I wanted Harry Kane, but we couldn't do it. Uh, I would have rather have had Jude Bellingham as my midfielder. He wanted to go to Real Madrid. He's got to take responsibility for a lot of those players, if not um, all of them who've, who've come in and, and have not performed to expectations or uh, to the level that you'd expect of, of a big Manchester United signing. But his... His, his track record with youngsters it really really does stack up in his favor he did it with ajax with with de jong and and and, de and van der beek back when van der beek actually resembled a footballer and already there were two players who've come through the united academy and have got have, well they they're, they're starters in the first team that you know you would not drop Mainu, you would not drop garnacho and look what happened when menu uh, was substituted with the game very very uh level well it was only nil nil at, at forest it, it the game went against them and the story of the night was look what happened when Kobe Maynu came off so yeah that's that's one of the big pluses and as you said that picture it, it reminded me a little bit of that, that, that great photo of um the construction workers in New York lunch atop a, a skyscraper which was a picture so Alex Ferguson had on his wall in his office at, at Carrington and I think there are eleven. There are eleven workers on it. So he obviously drew the parallel. Eleven workers, eleven players in the football team, and uh, Cristiano Ronaldo evocatively recalled seeing that image as well. So uh, they, they need a few more players to have uh, an eleven worthy of putting on the walls at, at Old Trafford and Carrington. But with those three players, it's. I think they've got the nucleus of a, of a team. If like Boyland told Ty last week in, in the mix zone about that, you know, hopefully we can start our own era and. Those three, you'd, you'd definitely be behind them and you've got to back them now. Very exciting, It is very exciting. Yeah. Just to end this part,
0: a quick question. So if I've said Ganacho started 19 games in a row, I did fact check that this morning. Um, which game was it? did he not last start? I didn't word that very well. City? Fair enough, fair enough. That is quite impressive how you've just... Yeah. Uh, October 29th, and then he came into the team, Newcastle, Castle the three-nil Carabao yeah. Cup defeat. And he started every game since then. Yeah. So, fantastic run for Ganacho. Uh, we'll leave it there for part one. We'll be back in a moment for part two. Welcome back to part two of the Manchester is Red podcast. Now, as Samuel has said, it was a perfect afternoon, except for Lissandro Martinez's injury. a um, Bit of a hefty collision with Kufal. Kind of, he went to go play on, didn't he? Um, he briefly went off, but, but came back onto the pitch. It was decided that he couldn't continue. Um, Ten said after the game, the direct quote was, it's a personal disaster. Um, and he said he admitted he was as concerned as the fans were. So it could be pretty bleak the outcome. We don't know yet. As you said, we're recording this on Monday morning, so we could have some news l- later on in the day. But it's passing, I think that's so key with Martinez. He breaks the lines and he helps the team in build up play. So if he's facing another layoff, it is gonna be a huge blow, especially after just coming back.
1: Well, there was a point in the first half where Maguire did very well. He got on the front foot, came forward and intercepted the ball, regained possession for United and it drew applause and the the applause hadn't even stopped. And Maguire was already telling Martinez you go there, I'll drop back because it was an acknowledgement that you're more of an asset in the middle third with your passing than, than I am. It was, you know, it was, and Maguire you know, is quite a good passer it, as well. Yeah, exactly. Isn't it? Yeah. It was, exactly. I mean, it was, I know Maguire relinquished the captaincy uh, last year, but it was, it was a good form of leadership, I thought. And that was, that's a big compliment for Martinez, but that's an acknowledgement of how important he is to the team in the opponent's half as, and, and he is important in, in, in his own third as well. I think it didn't get brought up in the press conference afterwards and and maybe it'll be a question on, on Friday, but I think the injury happened in the 66th minute and he didn't come off until the 71st minute, having gone back on. And you have to ask questions as to why was he allowed back on? I mean, Okay, it was two 0 The game wasn't won, and Martinez's character. I was going to say, you just know for a fact, it, he would it, have said, it, if his leg was dangling off, he'd still probably say, "Look, I want to." Continue. But it's the medical staff needed. But the medical staff have got them. to take ownership of that, and it, it wasn't the only incident. I mean, uh, Ariola's uh, collision with Zuma. I can. I imagine that was the reason why he went off at half time. But it was. It was strange how quickly that that check was done um again what w- what was going on then we we saw on saturday with michael Elise coming on how what a bad look it can be for player medical staff and manager when a player is needlessly risked and then he is, is probably in- ended up aggravating the injury that he had so th- that that would be the one other question that you'd have regarding the, the-, the martinez injury um look, i'm this this is not an <laughs> expert uh, insight into it whatsoever but my, my dad did do his ACL once and, and he said and he'll probably end up wrong now having said this but he said looking at the way Martos did it and the fact that he actually was walking he thought that maybe it wouldn't be an ACL just because if he had done that he would be struggling to walk that said Roy Keane did his ACL um, at Ellen Road in 97 and amazingly he actually went back on the pitch to um, play it out because United had made all their substitutions so I suppose there's an element of claw stra- uh, straw clutching that Martinez was walking um, I remember when he did his metatarsal against Sevilla a lot of people were thinking oh has he snapped his Achilles and it was Paul Scholes afterwards who was adamant that if if, if you've snapped your Achilles it's, it's a lot it looks a lot worse than the state he was in I mean I think Martinez was carried off by uh, two of the Sevilla players who probably Argentina I don't Argentine think that was helpful though was- actually
0: and it kind of looked like he was, they were helping him at the time but I mean, the advice, the medical advice is don't you know, leave them there until actual expert comes on.
1: I know they, they, they was, were che- they were two one down and wanting to come day. with the game, yeah. didn't I they? I think United fans picked up on that yeah. as well. Obviously, yeah. the even though it, it looked like great sportsmanship, it's like it get off. Let's let's try and get a goal, <laughs> and, and they did get another goal and made it two two. But um, look, I, I suppose one of the upsides of being ICS said was that, as I said, although he made two errors that led to goal scoring opportunities for West Ham. I actually thought Maguire was was quite good. Uh and they have got some depth there at the moment. Lindelof's back. Varane obviously didn't start because as I said he clearly Varane. He, he's Varane. he can't <laughs> he can't do two games in a week. I imagine he will be starting against Villa on Sunday. Look, n- none of them are none of them are ideal partners for Varane. You you'd want Martinez there. He's Martinez is the one centre back who's absolutely guaranteed of being at United next season. You can't say that about any of the other senior centre-halves that's how, how important he is and that's his his standing in in that department so I, I just hope for his sake given the injury issues that he's had over the last year with the metatarsal having ha- he had to have two rounds of surgery he's missed probably six months of football for United and that's that's meant he missing what, what,
0: what month was the severe game was that it April? was April yeah so, so he
1: pretty much missed the last six weeks Yeah, so, so he
0: missed the last six weeks then he was out for the first Best bit part of the season four months, yeah. um obviously he was back for a bit was in pain had surgery again yeah. he's only just come back it's it's rotten luck if he's out for
1: another I know and it's two very different looks like it's two very yeah. different injuries as well it's snapping your um fracturing sorry your, your metatarsal. and then this one clearly it's a it's a knee injury and you know, I just i just hope it's it's knee ligaments but I think, was it Ahmad had a knee injury uh, in in New Jersey against Arsenal when he was out for what? I mean,
0: Ahmad returned to training, I think it was late September, um, but he didn't actually return to a match to your squad
1: until it was December, wasn't it? I suspect with Marcus they would want him back a lot quicker. I mean, Ahmad didn't even get on the pitch again yesterday, which is, uh, you know, I I suppose, uh, you know, certain players have their have their own followings and I'm sure his followers would have been very disappointed to see Anthony come on
0: ahead of him I think people have picked up on that as well to be fair I mean I was going to ask you about Maguire but you basically said it all he had a good performance he's very decent and obviously two substitute appearances Newport and Wolves but that was his first start since Bayern Munich since picking up that injury so he deserves praise um, come on then Samuel we'll get into Dalot <laughs> because uh, for the listeners who don't know I mean we had a bit of a debate there's obviously four of us who cover United for the MEN me, Samuel, Ty and and. I think it's fair to say, Samuel, none of us are completely sold on either player. I think there is gonna they do need another right back, we can all agree. But me, Ty and Rich, probably lean towards the Wambasaka camp, and you lean more towards the Dallow camp. Now, when he did that fantastic sprint back in the second half and he made that last stitch block to deny Jared Bowen probably a guaranteed goal, because Bowen's fantastic. I laughed at myself because I knew I was going to get a message from you and 30 seconds later a, a little notification Samuel Lockhurst of course you enjoyed that moment but in all seriousness it was a fantastic recovery from Dalal
1: wasn't it? He's, he's been playing well uh, of, of late I think um, I thought he was very good at Wolves he's, he's been available for pretty much the entirety of the season he's not had a single injury there aren't many players in that squad who haven't been injured but there must be something in the water in Portugal because Bruno Fernandes has still never missed a game through injury for United and Dallo has had in in the last few years pretty much since he went to AC Milan on loan he's barely been injured the Dalot effect yeah possibly effect. of course he he got injured at the World Cup last season and then he had a recurrence of the injury when he came back to United but I think overall he's I did a piece on him recently that detailed like how, how few games he's he's missed. He, he barely missed a game when it was the Solskjaer-Rangnick season. He's not missed a game this season through injury. The only game that he wasn't available for was, of course, at West Ham through suspension, which was a ridiculous double yellow double yellow card from a grandstanding referee. And as I wrote in my piece yesterday, when, when Dallow firmly cements his place at right back, which he has at the moment, wan goes missing, goes AWOL. And I don't think that's a coincidence. And I've, there was one of our former colleagues, Tom Bristow, who was, was also in your camp as well. And he said um, he said Wan-Bissaka is the better passer. And oh, I, th- I thought you implied with that message, E4 was better. I, I don't think even our um, our colleague, Carl Anker, has probably ever done a piece on wan passing. I mean, I'm thinking, what... What, what 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 is this passing? Yeah, it's, has, it's, anyone, it's, has anyone done a YouTube compilation? on <laughs> it's Not something passing? that stands out when you think of one. No, Cycles, no. Look, he, he he had a pretty good twenty twenty three. Came back, did well, and amazingly, he's he seems to be the only uh, fullback at United who, who who gets on with Anthony. Like they had a decent rap all last season, and he did do very well in the second half last season, particularly given what a write off it was uh, before the World Cup, but. There's a reason why Dallow got a new contract last season and there's a reason why they've extended wan contract um, this season. That's with a view to selling him in the summer. I mean, look, is, if they were to give wan a new contract under Ineos, you might as well sack whoever's on the board at Ineos because that is just something that Ed Woodward would do. Big statement. Well, it's not a big statement. Who who,
0: who was the first choice left-back for 10 of the 12 months in 2023? Luke Shaw. Sorry, sorry, (laughs) left-back. Vodka again this morning. Right-back. Because Dalo got injured at the World Cup, Wan-Bissaka started, then he had a great end to the season. He was first choice right-back, right-back, not left-back, at the start of uh, the season. He got the highest
1: player rating off me in the FA Cup final. Exactly.
0: And his renaissance, I thought, has been fantastic. He's only recently come out of the team with... I know you're kind of making the point here. well, not at the clarification what this injury is.
1: Well, this was the uh, this a suspicious thing. I, I was, again, I'm, sh- I'm showing my objectivity here. I was pretty much the only one on the yeah. planet who asked why was he not at Newport? And the reply I got from someone at United was precaution. And well, that precaution's
0: <laughs> <went> on. <laughs> that, that precaution's yeah. It's another
1: one of those uh, like sore back or illness and then they're not seen for another month or so. At the end of the day, you are going to have to have an upgrade on either right-back. I know we've kind of debated that yeah. both of them there. And I've I've, I've said this... We all agree on that. I've said this quite consistently all season, that come the summer they need to be signing a right-back, yeah. and it's got to be a right-back who's going to be competing with with Dalla. You want healthy competition there. I, I spoke to an agent last year, and he was, he was discussing that ahead of looking into the summer, because you, you wondered, you know, would would United go for a right back in the summer given the interest in Jeremy Frimpong but there was definitely a, a shift because of how well Wamba did last season where they thought well there's no point going for a right back in the summer given his contract situation kind of the priorities. given his yeah. form given Dallow's got a new deal given the priorities elsewhere we can get by but as and I agreed with what the agent said to me he said but they're both like quite good but then you look at the other elite clubs and Walker is up there Alexander-Arnold up there uh, until his recent wobble, you'd have put Trippier up there as well. And that's the problem United have got in that you know, with, with Dallow, has, has, he, has he got that higher ceiling to reach those heights? I'd probably say not. So you're going to have to look for a right back. And I think that this summer is the time to do that. You've got to look for a right back who is of that profile that is 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 possibly going to be off the top one, of my head I can't, a I can't think attacker. of many names at the moment no well the, the obvious name who, who did spring up last year was, well, was Jeremy Fringham yeah, Leverkusen's, yeah. Weather, and of course Leverkusen I having mean, a terrific season and he signed a new contract so he, he would not be inexpensive but also are Ineos going to think yeah we'll go for another Dutch player like there's there's a red flag already there but if he wasn't Dutch <laughs> which I know is a strange thing to say you'd look at him and you think yeah, you know, apologies for touching people on this podcast. <laughs> it's nothing really personal. No, it isn't. It isn't. It, it really, really isn't. Um, but he, he does tick all the boxes, so it'll be it'll be interesting to see how that how that plays out. But as as I've said with one before, he would get in most Premier League teams, and I don't think United would struggle for a market for him in the summer either. I would I could see, would he I could see him go to West Ham. Yeah, I, I'd say. I was about yeah. to say he'd be an upgrade at West Ham. Uh, Crystal Palace going back there. Uh, I know there was an element of homesickness when he he came up to Manchester as well. So, if you're if you're the new United sporting director, you should be getting on the phone to the London clubs and touching base to see if they'd be receptive to to take. So, if I think
0: probably West Ham could be maybe a next move for Ambasaka, uh, what kind of club do you think would be in for Daniel if he had to leave?
1: Well, look, this that's is, an interesting the, question. But this is this is the um, this is the point. He's they, they United you know, have had inquiries for him from. Dortmund, Barcelona, Atletico Madrid, Roma. Um, you know, There have been a lot of esteemed clubs on the continent who have been in touch with him. I remember I, I think him, he's around that
0: level, like Europa League level. Not quite Champions League, but a Roma or a ben, Benfica. He's better.
1: I've just mentioned Barcelona and Atletico yeah, Madrid. I don't, I don't think he's at that
0: level personally. I don't think he could start for Barca each week. Well, he probably could because they're not actually that good of a side. They won the league last season, but with a, for Barca
1: standards, it was a poor well, Barca. I think when they played United, Xavi made the... Quite surprised, switcher put in a Rujo at, at right back yeah. when he's a, a centre back by trade. Uh, probably because of the form Rashford was, was in at that time. But I, I think Dallow, look the, with with Shaw and Dallow, When Luke Shaw joined United, you thought, well, here's United's next left back for the left back for the next decade, and he's going to get there because it will be ten years in the summer that he's been at United. It's not gone smoothly, obviously, but he has got there. I think with Dallow, it could be similar. In that There have been some very big bumps in the road and he was very injury-prone when he came to the club. He went out on loan to AC Milan for a season. Milan were another club that were interested in him. That's it. Yeah, I could kind of see him playing for Milan and Champions League club. I know, I hear that. The out the famous two. The standard of them,
0: isn't that? I mean, no, I, the went, went I went there the standard last standard January, of, I remember? Know. I was gallivanting the Milan last January yeah. and they got beat. I think it was 5-0 off of it was Swallow or Sampantoria, someone like that, and they were terrible. I was surprised how bad they no,
1: the, the standard in Italy is it's, it's, it's pro- not what it was yeah. 20 years ago or, or 30 years ago, and there's a reason why United were dumping quite a few rejects there um, a, a few years ago, Smalling, Damian, Sanchez, Astrid. It was a United revolution in Milan, wasn't it? <laughs>
0: yeah. And it
1: worked, because I think both teams had yeah.
0: successful seasons. Indeed, yeah. indeed. In terms of what the result means, in Samuel up to six on the table, um, six points off Tottenham now in fifth. Yeah, that's and good result. Yeah. Good result for United. Aston Villa and Tottenham have, have had a little bit of a wobble in recent weeks and United have kind of got this momentum and we kind of talked about Champions League places on the last podcast but all of a sudden we're looking ahead to the latter part of the campaign we're thinking if United mount a real challenge it could be a really productive few months. It could be an excellent few months ahead.
1: Well, they've got to continue as they've started this month. As I said, they they needed to get they need, sorry, they need to get 12 to 15 they need, they need to run a games, don't they? Just a, a few I results. Think, I think they can do that this month. Yeah. They've, they've made the right start when the first two games, Sunday will be their, their toughest game of the month, no doubt, given what a good season. Villa are having, and Villa should have won at Old Trafford if they were if they were a lot savvier. Which is strange to think that they weren't, given the players they've got and the coach they've got. But it,
0: whatever happened, happened. although we were making the point since then, they've actually had a bit of a drop off. Probably they since have, that game at Old and Trafford.
1: And then on, I know, their weekend fixture was as as kind as they come at Sheffield United, yeah. um, wiping the floor for them five nil, and if, essentially they just declared after that fifth goal early in the second half. So. Uh, They've had an eight-day breather. They've they've got returned to winning ways. And when you look at Villa's team as well, it's an objectively good good team. There's a lot going for it, and a lot of threatening players. They've become a much tougher side for United to play against since Emery came in. His first um, his first game in charge of Villa last season was was against United, and they, they finally beat United at Villa Park in in the Premier League since since 1995. But in terms of United's form, as I said, they've They've got to be aiming to get between 12 and 15 points this month to be in with a shout because Tottenham are definitely erratic. They, they, concede, they concede a lot of goals. I think they might have conceded more goals than United in the Premier League this season. The goalkeeper seems to be getting targeted a lot more now. He's, I think he's a very good goalkeeper, Vicario. He's been a good signing, but his, his very obvious kryptonite is set-pieces. Isn't it strange, though, that the narratives
0: between the two teams... We discussed this after the 2-2 draw... I mean, it's only six points. I know that's two wins, but we've, it's just been so depressing almost for United this season. There's been so much going wrong. Tottenham, we've said, Ange Postacoglu's been this media darling. there's been such so positivity. Yeah. And yet United
1: are two wins behind. Well,
0: yeah, yeah. I, I... But, know, but then that, also at that game at Old Trafford, Tottenham were objectively much the better side.
1: Yeah, the Tottenham were impressive at Old Trafford, but I've, I said, I think I'm going to put the tweet out after Tottenham went out of another cup competition to City that, that they are the most overhyped team I can ever recall uh, who do absolutely the, the, the square root of Eiffel most of the time. They've won two League Cups in the last 30 years, but under Harry Redknapp, under Pochettino, probably under Andre V.S. boas as well, uh, now under Andrew Postacoglu, it doesn't take a lot for people to hype them up. And look, I, I think Postacoglu has been a brilliant appointment. I think he's doing a brilliant job there. If they finish in the top five, they'll have had a very, very good season, given their starting point. But the whole like oh, big Ange and these these are these are colleagues of ours who are calling him big Ange. You think, like if, if anyone's referring to someone by their first name, they've got to have a very good reason Do you know for what doing I, it. I refer
0: to him in a, in a piece recently. I think it was, it was
1: uh, maybe it was September.
0: And I was the likable Ange Postacoglu. and it was while that's Liam, fair, was, yeah, it was while Liam was still here, and he laughed, likable. And now whenever he comes up, he always sends a message and says the likable. I Ange. think that's fair
1: enough. Yeah, I, I wouldn't have subbed that out if I was. It's not, so as, it's not as, bad as big Ange, is it? No, that's that's just terrible. Uh, yeah, I can't understand the sycophancy over that he's he is a breath of fresh air he is likeable um, you feel like he's he's engaged when when he's speaking during a press conference and his his coaching cachet is a lot better than than people thought um, at, at the time of his appointment by Spurs but you, you have seen with, with Tottenham of late that there are definite jinx in their armour and that's why it was so poor of United that they only draw drew against them with with the players that Spurs were missing, United should have been winning that game. United, they didn't... They didn't well, I've, I've said this
0: a few times on the podcast the day after that game. We spoke about it almost as if it was a defeat. It was a draw, but the performance was so disappointing yeah. because Tottenham rocked up without the best players and they still were much the better side winner on that day. Uh, we'll leave it there for part two and we'll be back in a moment for part three. Welcome back to part three of the Manchester is Red podcast. Now, Samuel, we're going to look at a few uh, loanees in this part. Donny van der Beek, Hannibal, uh, Mason Greenwood and anyone else you want to mention, feel free. But we'll start with Donny van der Beek. He hasn't mm. had a mention it's on this podcast. It's going well, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. He's not had a mention on this podcast in a, a little while. He was an unused substitute at the weekend in a 2-0 defeat to FC Cologne. He's obviously on loan at, with Frankfurt. We we'll looked at that deal and the way it was actually organised and structured, and Frankfurt have the option to make it permanent. But they might not even do that.
1: Might not. I, I think there's a very good chance it's not that he's already, good already declined it. He's, he started the first three games, and I think his, his removals, his substitutions, became earlier and earlier. And in the third game, he was taken off at half-time. So he played
0: 63 minutes in... To be fair, it's, it's very very similar. 63 minutes in the first, 64 minutes in the second, then he was hooked at half-time. Yeah.
1: And then he didn't have a kick against Cologne at the weekend. It's regressed, not he? Uh, is he regressed? Well, for his starting point at Frankfurt of actually playing minutes, I suppose he, he has. But that's what I meant. It's just just him as a as a footballer. It's it's a shame what's happened there. It, four years ago, he was he was bound for Real Madrid. It felt like, Um then then COVID happened and changed his course from Madrid to Manchester and he encountered Ole Gunnar Solskjaer who who didn't fancy him and he. he Proved at United and he proved on loan at Everton that he wasn't up to it in the Premier League. And at the moment, he doesn't look like he's up, up to it in, in the Bundesliga. It's, it's early days for him, but I just. United fans w- would despair, and rightly so, if first day of pre season and they put the images out on their social media channels. And if, if you see Van der Beek in the new training gear under. Ten Hag or possibly a new manager or whatever under this new Ineos era, they, they they need to get shot of him as soon as possible.
0: It is a shame, though, as you said. I know we kind of make light of it, but he was such a highly regarded talent at Ajax. I think I've talked about that run a few times in the Champions League. It was probably a bit overrated when Ten Hag's team got to the semis because people don't really talk about teams in the light they do with that Ajax team. I remember Villarreal, was it? The season before last it got to the semis against Liverpool in the loss. yeah they did and yeah. people don't wax lyrical about that Villarreal team because they lost in the semi-finals and they bottled it in massive style against Spurs a two goal lead was it in 3-2 up in Amsterdam oh Ajax yeah. did yeah. yeah yeah sorry I thought you were on about Villarreal yeah, saying that Ajax team no one people kind of talk about them and glo- hammer them a praise but why the in the, the semi-final?
1: <laughs> in fairness, they 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 beat Real Madrid four-one in the Bernabeu, and they went to Juventus. Uh, the does Rena- does the Ronaldo? Of the Juventus.
0: in the semi-final. I not forget. Well, that, that that
1: did certainly undermine their um yeah. their, their, uh, their their Champions League run. And there was that picture of obviously all of the players collapsed when after Mora's third goal went in. They they should have got to the final. I was. I was ready to um, to don my Ajax shirt for the final that year, given that they were playing against Liverpool. But unfortunately, it had to it had to go back in the uh, the souvenir box.
0: That was one of the worst uh, Champions League finals in, me-
1: in recent memory. That I well, think. you knew you knew who was going to win that yeah. long long yeah. before the final took place. That
0: is a shame, and I would like to see him do well on a personal note because he's had just such a torrid time. But he just looks below the standard now, doesn't he? You just wonder what he's good at. Um, Hannibal, he's at Sevilla. Um, a bit of a bizarre start because Sevilla released a statement after his. Uh, debut and basically said he's not gonna be continued. he's not gonna be considered for selection. <laughs> that reverted. He was back in the squad yeah. the week later. So um And didn't come on in that game, did he? Yeah, I think one second there. He's a, a new substitute against Osasuna. I've got it And they're here, playing so. this evening,
1: which we're speaking on the Monday. Yeah, Monday. but from
0: all accounts, it's not it doesn't really fit with Hannibal's character. Another option to
1: buy that will probably end yeah. up being declined. But
0: when you talk to people, he's supposed to be a likeable lad around Carrington. I spoke to um, Birmingham City's former assistant manager, yeah. Matt Gardner. And he gave him glowing praise as well. Talked about how much of a good lad he was. So I was a bit surprised to see Sevilla come out. and, and, and There's something going on.
1: I think when he made his debut a uh, a friend of mine was was watching it and said that he was he was going spare at teammates and tell essentially telling them what they were doing wrong and you can imagine how well that's gone down in a dressing room. Manchester well. United, Lonnie, young lad coming in, yeah, not a good look. Yeah, well, there's there's that and and also they're in a they're in a relegation scrap as well, so it's it's not a it's not a happy camp. I mean, going back to last season, how United allowed them to to beat them in the Europa League, it it, it probably still smarts for, for Ten Hag they were. They shouldn't have ended up losing that tie five. They shouldn't have ended up losing that tie. And never mind five two on aggregate. Um, it, it's 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 a little bit peculiar that a lot of United youngsters are, are going to Spain on, on loan because realistically, there's the chances of these moves becoming permanent. Is, is remote. It's remote. The there's is no there's no money in La Liga. I mean, Plestry's gone to uh, Granada. I'd be amazed if Granada buy him because United should be looking to make a profit on him given his international status with, with Uruguay and, and the skill set that he has. But I can't see Granada stumping up well, we mentioned 15 that. million euros. Was it on Wednesday
0: when I had a uh, leaving party? Um, we discussed it and said, how much would you actually get for He was signed obviously for 9 million in 2020 from Penarol. <sighs> They should make a profit, but I couldn't actually see them making a profit on him. I think it's probably in the region of nine million is what you'd actually receive.
1: I think you've got yeah maybe some add-ons as well, and this yeah. is the the bus raise United come up with. It's add-on, sell-on. Obviously, with, when Hansen Aaron left on deadline day, they didn't disclose what the fee is, which is always telling. If they get a good fee, they'll they'll tell us about it. Um, but as I think also with with Mason Greenwood and and Hetafe. I'd be amazed if Hatafé stumped up money for him because, although, although let's face it, there are damaged goods there for for a number of reasons. Um, United aren't just going to want to give away a player who's who's still going to have a year left on his contract come the summer.
0: It's a really interesting scenario of Greenwood. I think. I mean, in terms of his actual performance this season, seven goals and four assists. He's contributed. He scored against uh, Bétis at the weekend, and it's a difficult situation because clubs know that United need to sell. We've discussed and said it's best for him not to drive into Carrington on the first day of pre-season. You want to do a, a quicker deal with Greenwood. But that kind of hurts your bargaining position, doesn't it? When you're negotiating with any club that might want them.
1: But if you've got to take the hit, you've got to take the hit. And I know the profitability and sustainability rules are a big factor in United's dealings now and selling an academy player is as rich as said before. it's it is it a whole out. 100% yeah. profit, which is probably why Chelsea in the summer will sell Conor Gallagher, because they need to raise... I mean, the chances are Chelsea won't be in in European competition again next season. They've got a stadium that is more dated than Old Trafford. It's a lot smaller than Old Trafford. They're going to be under immense pressure to make big bucks on certain players and all the players who you'd expect to go to a Saudi Pro League side. They have gone already, most of them.
0: And it also feels like that Saudi Arabia money has actually run out a little bit. There's been players coming back, obviously Jordan Henderson to Ajax, but it doesn't seem to have really taken off as people expected. I, I,
1: I, fe- I felt in the summer it was overhyped. There was a lot of attention um, on it. Understandably for you know, some colleagues, that, that they'll, their editor will say, oh, can you do a piece on it or find out more about it? Because you know, there's, there's interest in, in our readership and what's going on out there but we've, we saw it with the Chinese Super League a few years ago and who talks about the Chinese Super League now? I mean, Sky bought the rights to show Chinese Super League games as if anyone would want to watch them and I don't think many people, as, as you can tell from the attendances in Saudi Arabia, nobody nobody could care less about it. I mean, Ronaldo thought he was going to be a trailblazer going out there but he, he's not, it's just he's settled into a very lavish retirement. He would, he would disagree
0: with you there, Samuel.
1: Ronaldo would have something to say about that. Well, I'm sure he would. I'm sure. Well, I'm sure he wouldn't even care what I <laughs> I say. But he was never even going back nearly 50 years ago when Pele and George Best were playing in America, and they thought that soccer was going to take off in the United States, and it it didn't. They had to. They they're still waiting for it to really properly take off out there. I know the interest is a lot greater now than. Um, than ever before Beckham definitely
0: helped in that regard I'd say that
1: it did help but it has it made that much of a difference probably and, not no, no. It's and also good... he, was, he was clearing off to Milan on loan PSG yeah. uh, as well because he realised that I'm, I'm not going to be I'm not going to be getting in the England squad all the time I mean it came up in his documentary Capello told him that you're going to have to go on loan um, and, and play in Europe if you want to stick around uh, if you want to stay at the party so that's what he did and it did sour relations between him and, and the LA Galaxy, again, as covered in, in, in the documentary.
0: We've went off topic a little bit there. Should we try to go back to a little bit? Um, if you had to speculate what kind of fee United could get, what would you say? Oh, what what would your uh, ballpark be?
1: Uh, um, has his resale value gone up that much by just scoring a few goals in a league that's in decline where there's no money, where... Hetafe are not expected to do anything I mean where are Getafe in the table even though they I mean it's an interesting story that's going on in La Liga this season where Girona are doing yeah. so well and they've somehow managed to sustain it Yeah, I mean they're a, they are what they are they're a mid-table team I think that, is that has that enhanced his reputation greatly? No I think it helps in the sense
0: that any new club that would buy Greenwood they're not the first to take that gamble um, but if you're buying him
1: but I th- what I'd say to that is that Getafe took have taken him on loan. I remember on deadline day, I mean, we were surprised when it came out of the blue that he was going on loan because what United were telling us uh, when we were at Carrington, because there was a press conference, was that a lot of clubs, they would ask about Greenwood. It would get out there that they'd asked about Greenwood. There'd be a fan backlash. The club would back off. Hetafe kept it under wraps deliberately because they did not want a fan backlash. It was... They're in for Greenwood. Next minute they've signed Greenwood. And of course there was a backlash of, of, of some sort. And there have been some incidents over there this season. I think his first game, there was some chance um about, about his you know, alleged conduct and uh, what what happened over here with the investigation into, into his arrest in, in January twenty uh, twenty twenty-two, wasn't it? But still, if you're the club that's taken him on permanently, it, it it's not that long ago that I woke up on that Sunday morning and I was told, have you seen what Mason Greenwood's done? And then thinking, oh God, what a day this is going to be. I can't believe
0: that's two years ago. That's, well, that's, that's what I mean. it's, it's,
1: it's, it's, it feels, it feels very current. It doesn't feel very long ago at all. Uh, and he, I mean, it's trying a and, different era in this I'm trying social to media you down room. to
0: a fee here you're like a politician yeah. 20, 20 million should we start off with that? I'd oh, be lucky to get yeah. that
1: so 10 oh. 10 for Mason Greenwood? I think they've just got to wash their hands of him like if they get 10 million for a bit like if who cares if someone on yeah, Twitter who cares sure. if someone on Twitter is complaining about the fee they got off Mason Greenwood they need to get shot of him yeah. and look a couple of months after he'd gone to Hetafe People at United, we were still asking them, like, do you think there's a chance of him coming back? And they were saying, look, can't see it, can't see it. And I don't think, look, do any us want the bad publicity of coming in saying, oh, we'll take Mason Greenwood back? I, I don't think so. There are a lot of Manchester United fans that would walk away from the club if, if he ever played for the club again. And I don't think they'd, they'd waver from, from that stance. It's a potential PR disaster and not what you need when you're starting off your ownership at a club.
0: Uh, thank you very much for your time, Samuel. That's thank it you, today. Uh, for today. Thanks to listeners as usual. There'll unfortunately be no midweek podcast uh, on Wednesday with Rich and Ty. I'm not sure why. I presume our producer's gallivanting. Is he across there as he looks at his with his hands behind his head? Um, but we'll be back later on in the week to look ahead to the Aston Villa game and there should be some coverage on the YouTube channel uh, for the Munich disaster anniversary at Old Trafford tomorrow. So thanks for listening and have a great week. Take care.